Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. Gospel of Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 to 34. I invite you to turn there if you would like to follow along. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that that he answered them well. He asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, with all the the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. You are what you eat. We've all heard that phrase, right? Encouraging us to to practice healthy eating and healthy eating habits. But what about you are what you love? The things that we really value in, in this life, the things that, that we really go after, the things in life that, that tells us where our, where our heart is or, or where our love is. The more you love something, the more you become like it, I, I would suspect. For example, I have a friend, and, and I could even maybe say this a little bit about myself. Not after last night, though. <laughs> I have a friend who loves football. He wears football stuff. He, he reads football articles online. He uses football language and football talk. He, he has and owns a football. I mean, we probably, most, most of us do, but he doesn't miss a game, whether it's a team he likes or a team he doesn't like. Totally sold out for football. I have another friend that, that loves video games. Actually, I know a lot of people who love video games. My friend, he dresses with, with clothes that have video game logos on them. He reads about video games. He watches videos about how to to get better at video games or at a particular level in a video game. He has video game language. Everything about him starting to go that way. Fully in, immersed in video games. But isn't it true, whatever you love, 
you're starting to move that way. That's why Jesus, here in the book of Mark, says the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your entire mind, with all your strength. That is the greatest commandment of all. Why? Because the power to change is given in relationship. And what you love, you become like. What does God want from us? What does he expect? Do you know? That's a question that every person has to answer. Every one of us, we have to answer. Because if there is a God, and I'm assuming because you're here today, that you're open to the idea or you definitely believe that there is, you need to know what God wants. That knowledge would be very important to know on how to live your life, on how to be in this world. It would change everything. It would change the way you drive. It would change the way you react to how other people drive. Not including Pastor Wayne. (laughs) It might change the checks you write. It might change the websites you visit. It would change everything. So let me ask again, do you know what God wants? We need to know. Love God, love your neighbor. You might be interested in what Jesus said about God and what he wants from us more than anything else. And I just read it. Jesus was asked straight up, of all the commandments of God, which one is the most, which one is the most important? It's not such an easy answer. There are many commandments in the Bible, in the Old Testament. If you go to the Old Testament, the first five books, the Pentateuch, that's the law. They show us what pleases God in the Old Testament. You find the Ten Commandments, which God says, don't steal because it hurts people. I love and and it destroys community. Don't commit murder because it kills people I created and so on. The rabbis counted up the commands. 613 commandments in the law. They debated which 613 was the most important. Which one was the core? Is it more important not to steal? Or is it more important not to murder? Which commandment? What is most important to God? Well, in our passage today, I'm going to put it this way. A man with a PhD in religious studies came to Jesus and asked him what his take was. What do you think? What's the most important command? And Jesus answers him immediately. The most important command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your entire mind, and and your strength, all of your strength. We all understand that. 
the most important command to love God with everything, with everything you've got. Don't hold anything back. Your entire life should be a gift of love to God. Then Jesus says there's a second most important command, closely related to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know what God wants from you? What he wants from you above all else? This morning, really the, the sermon could be, the spoken word could be boiled down to one word. That one word is love. It all comes down to love. That's what God cares about. Many of you, maybe most of you probably know this. That's what's central. That's what God commands us to do. And it's not just a love for God that could somehow ignore the needs of people. No, the two most important come together. The two commands, they come together like our right hand and our left hand. When you love God, you love people. You've just offered up the one sacrifice that God finds pleasing. God asks for nothing else from us. Get this, and you've got it. Love God and love the people around you. That's good news. It's also bad news. The good news is that God asks us, what God asks of us is equal opportunity. It's something anyone can do. No matter what your education level is, no matter how much money you have, no matter what you look like or what you've gone through, we can all please God because we can all love him. We all can love other people and the people around us. But the bad news, the bad news is is we don't do it, or at least we don't fully commit to it. God commands us to do it, and Jesus calls us to it. But we know within ourselves that that we don't really love God with all our heart. Instead, we love him with with some of our heart or, or with a little bit of our soul, a fraction of our mind and a portion of our strength. The rest we keep for ourselves. The reality is, is that we have pockets of rebellion within our hearts where we resist God. We do not surrender to him in love. We love him to some extent, but we keep him out of those certain areas. Maybe for you, it's, it's your kids. God can have every part of you. But if anything were to happen to your kids or your grandkids, God has stepped over the line and you're not sure you can keep following him. Is God only God when it is convenient? 
Is he Lord over all of your days and not just Sundays and Wednesdays? Is he the primary focus of your life? Is he the motivating factor of your day? Truth is, I think, is we only give God a portion I think sometimes we get confused and, and I was really thinking about this and really mulling over whether, whether I wanted to say it this way and, and I'm going to say it this way and if it's, well, well, scripture suggests in the Old Testament of giving a, a tithe, a portion of our earnings, of the first fruits, because God gives us the ability to do so. I wonder if we get lost in that. We give God, the saying is 10%. My mulling and my thinking is, do we only give God 10% of our love? I wonder. God desires our love. God desires that we love him with our all and not just a percentage. I've been thinking that as one of your pastors, uh, I want to make, make a suggestion that I think will help you and help me grow in how, to, how much and how to love God more. It's very simple. My suggestion is one word to God. One word. Yes. If you want to love God with your whole heart, just say yes. You ask, but, yeah, but uh, what am I saying yes to? In order to know the answer to that question, you have to listen to God. That doesn't come easy for us because if, if you live the normal life in Mifflinburg or anywhere across the land and the world, life is so busy, so distracting and so fatiguing, we find it nearly impossible to hear God. We end up with nothing to say yes to. Because here's what happens when, when we slow down, we actually really listen to God here and here. One of the first things you're going to hear from God is, I love you. I love you. You say, hey, when I get quiet, when I calm down, I don't hear, I love you. I hear you're such a screw-up. No one can love you. Those are your own junky thoughts. Those are lies from the devil himself playing inside your head. Maybe that's what, what you've heard from your parents or, or maybe that's what you continue to tell yourself. But that's not God. That's not the God of this, the Holy Word. I'm thinking now to, to uh, 
the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and you guys don't want to finish it? The Word was Jesus. When you hear God say, I love you, here's what you say. You say yes. Just say yes. With your will, open up and say yes. God, I hear you. I receive that. I accept that. I choose not to give in to my, my natural safe, health, safe self-hatred, my, my natural self-absorption. When you say yes to God's love for you, you'll find it a lot easier to do the second commandment or the second highest thing Jesus commands. Love your neighbor as yourself. What you've been experiencing from God, you start to pass on to others. God fills us with his spirit and, and his love. And, and we surprise ourselves because we find ourselves loving people in a, in a way we couldn't before. God's forgiven your junk so he can forgive someone else's. God's been patient when you've been slow to grow up so you can be patient with that person in your family, in your community, in your church, or your job. It's really uncanny. I'm not sure how it works, but, but if you say yes to God, you'll automatically end up loving your neighbor too. Saying yes to God leads to loving upward, leads to loving inward, and leads to loving outward. So in, in order to alleviate our fears and our anxieties, Jesus asks us to live and to love in three directions, upward by loving God, inward by loving ourselves, and, and outward by loving others. I love that, upward inward, outward, is a God-breathed system for living. When we learn that, that we live and love upward, it leads us to do the same inward. And it ends with us living outward, loving outward, into our communities and our world. The Lord is the great transformer of people. And it is his plan for his church. To be a transformational agent in the world. But notice that Jesus doesn't say, save your neighbor. Or convince your neighbor. Or judge your neighbor. It's love your neighbor. Once we learn to love God and love ourselves, the Spirit leads us to, to love others. The golden rule reminds us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We all desire to be loved. And we should first initiate that love to others. Jesus loved us in the midst of our misery and our brokenness. 
And his love has and is healing us every day. But where does that love lead us? Jesus wants us to live outward by sharing his love with radical liberality to everyone. Loving outward is about letting the word of God, that is Jesus, within you, lead the people of God into the world that is far from God with the love of God. Now that's a mouthful, but I love it so much. I want you to hear this again. Loving outward is about letting the word of God within you lead the people of God, which is us and one another, into the world that is far from God with the love of God. Now, Jesus said, if we were to get this thing right, out of everything that is in God's word, then we have the whole story. It's simple. It's elegant. It's deeply profound. When you say yes to God, you end up loving him more. And you also automatically end up loving your neighbor more. Let me make it personal this morning. What is God saying to you? What is he asking of you? For some of you, maybe your pulse is pounding right now. You know exactly what God has been asking of you, and you don't know if you can say yes. Tell him yes. Love him with your whole heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Give him everything you've got. Because when you say yes to God, you grow in love for him. And you grow in love for your neighbor, for the people around you. If you drive down Roosevelt Road in Wheaton, Illinois, you'll go right past Mary and Joy, a 120-bed rehabilitation hospital where doctors and nurses take care of the weakest and neediest patients in healthcare. They provide rehabilitation for people with spinal and brain injuries, which means every day these caregivers do the same of the, do the same of the most frustrating and long-term work you can have. Why do they do that? Why did this hospital start? Who was behind it? I'll tell you where Mary and Joy started. It started in the middle of Italy in the year, believe it or not, 1205. A 24-year-old man was riding his horse when he saw something in the distance that seared him to death. A man contagious with leprosy. His skin was half gone, his face disfigured, and the smell was so bad the rider on the horseback wanted to hold his nose and turn his horse around. Instead, that man named Francis remembered what God had said to him in prayer. Francis, the things that used to make you shudder will bring you great sweetness and content. 
So Francis got off his horse, pulled some money out, put a few coins in the leper's hands. Then he actually put his arms around the leper and kissed him on the cheek. Francis said yes to God. That created an explosion of love that is still blasting outward. And it's reached all the way to Wheaton, Illinois. 800 years or so later, on Roosevelt Road, where you find a Franciscan hospital, where people with convulsions, slurred speech, and numb hands and feet have someone to come, come in and feed them, change their clothes, and dump their bedpans. Why is it that there's so much love for a neighbor in this place? It all started because one person said yes to God. In the summer of 1985, Henry Nowen left his prominent role as a professor at Harvard Divinity School and joined the Arch community in Trostley, France. Henry spent nine months living and sharing in, with the life and, and with the people with and without learning disabilities there in France. At the end of this period of discernment, Henry and Neil, Neil's terms across the pond, Henry came across the pond to Canada to the large daybreak community to serve as their pastor where he lived until his death in 1996. This is why that, that's important. During Henry, Henry's years at, at the Lillarch, I think I'm saying it right, Daybreak Community, he supported a young man called Adam who was severely disabled. Henry was asked to support and care for Adam. He describes that time uh, working with Adam, he came to a new and a deeper understanding of his faith and what it means to be loved by God and be the beloved by God. I have a little uh, two to three minute clip for you to watch. Uh, Two or three Sundays ago, I guess it would be three now, in the teen Sunday school class, uh, we started in on, on some things in Right Now Media, and this isn't a commercial for Right Now Media, but uh, this video, so we watch these videos and then we dialogue about it with the teens. Uh, Jeff leads us. This video struck me, and... Uh, this definitely goes along with today. So uh, here's that two to three minute clip. Water in it. Now living water is water that gets where it's going under its own power. It comes from God. I don't carry it, I don't bucket it, but it flows. 
So they built a channel, an aqueduct, on the side of the cliff and came all the way around. Look, there's the piece of that aqueduct. Look, see it? It comes here. Here I see the plaster of it. That's covered. Here's the wall of it. So that's all the way down. We've been walking along that all the way from the ruins, several hundred yards back there. Now it comes here and then runs into this cliff. Here, they carved the cliff like this, plastering it here. Came around the corner. This is really amazing here. It's about two feet wide. They had to build a wall on this side, several places a supporting wall. Then they plastered it so it wouldn't leak, of course, and it slowly makes its way along the face of the cliff. Now it came here. I still see the plaster. Now they ran into a problem. Apparently the rock is fractured enough they didn't think they could build their channel on the outside. So instead, in this dolomite, which is one of the hardest rocks here, they carved a tunnel system. So the water came here. That took some serious effort. Boy, the bottom is rough, too. So the water ran through here and then came out the end. Doesn't get any bigger either. You know, it probably seems pretty, pretty simple, pretty ordinary, but I always think of that tunnel as just a classic example of what the Essenes were about. Because they thought God wanted living water and that that would better make the point, they were willing to go to this kind of an effort. But I see a group of people here that took their Bible so seriously that because they thought that's what God was telling them, they were willing to come out here in the sun and to dig that hole through a cliff and to build that half a mile long aqueduct just to love him with all their heart all their soul and all their might. This is obedience, passionate, intense obedience. So let me ask you a question. For your church community, what's your tunnel? What is there that your church takes on that's over the top, just beyond what anybody can dream of for one reason? Because you want to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's the Essenes. Come, let's go see. What a, what a group of people. It's a community called the Essenes. Not going to go into all the details about this community, but you saw where they lived out in the desert, out in the heat. They loved God so much. They took their Bible so seriously, the word that they had so seriously. Out there in the heat of the desert, chiseled away 
to make that aqueduct and to get to a spot where they can't really, you saw they couldn't go around, so they, they had to literally bury through, create this tunnel for the water to flow through. What's your tunnel? What is it that you take on or that God is calling you to take on that's over the top, just beyond what anyone could dream of for one reason? Because you want to love God your heart, your whole heart, your mind, your whole mind, and your strength. What's your tunnel? What is it that this church, Mifflinburg Church of the Nazarene, takes on that, that's over the top, just beyond what anyone could dream for one reason? Because this church, these people, you and me, we want to love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole strength, with our entire being. The essence of the Christian life is to say yes to God, say yes to God's love and return in full obedience, loving God with all we are, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Shauna's going to come and lead us. Shauna and the worship band are going to come and lead us this morning in a song of response to the spoken word this morning.